standing heir from the state of Florida where our 45th president temporarily resides until his triumphant return to that big house in Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024. Once again, it's time for the Flagler Trump Club's Future of Flagler podcast. Here are the patriots who will keep Flagler County red while making America great again. Your host, Trump Club President Mike McElroy, along with Trump Club Vice President and Palm Coast City Councilman Ed Danko. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'm Ed Danko. I'm here with Mike McElroy, my co-host. Uh, what's new, Mike? What's going on in the world? Well, Ed, you're a little hoarse. What happened? Well, I think I got a little bit of this pollen that's out there early. Uh, get a little allergy with it, but I'll be fine. I'll recover. We're having an early spring. Uh, you really haven't made the newspaper. The, no, that's not true. There's one nasty email from a real nasty liberal out there criticizing me for something. So no pictures this week, yeah, though. And, right. and if you're, you had a you had a letter to the editor, yeah, from a progressive that writes fairly regularly in that uh, letters to the editor, yeah, yeah. criticizing you for your position on dredging. canal dredging. Yeah. And, and I must say, that's not the only critic of canal dredging, because I see Alan Lowe, who's running for city council, has been criticized by uh, a former city employee, briefly. Uh, yeah, a person who was hired by Melissa Hollins to run the communication public relations department. He was only there a brief period of time, uh, I think maybe two or three weeks after Holland resigned under a cloud of suspicion, a coastal cloud perhaps, I don't know. Uh, this, this guy went out the door next. By the way, Melissa, I know you're watching. I know you miss me. You are always welcome to come here and be a guest. That invitation is out there anytime you want, Melissa. So what's up with the canals, Ed? Well, the canals need dredging. The canals are part of our stormwater system, although the city has pretended they're not. Uh, they definitely are. Everyone who lives on those canals have paid into the fund to keep our stormwater system working, yet they have been ignored. It's the biggest, biggest attraction, the Palm Coast, that we have. Mm. And if we're going to attract big business and and, and, and people to invest in our community. Some of those people are gonna to wanna to have a boat. They're gonna to wanna to have access to the intercoastal waterway. They're gonna to wanna to live on a canal. And we need to dredge these canals. We have ignored them now for, oh my God, like close to 20 years and they're just filling in. Uh, last time I was out, what should have been um, dead center 12 feet was like three and a half, four feet in a lot of spots. They're just gonna keep That's filling in. That's pretty shallow. So the city now, I finally got the council to agree, and this took about a year uh, I've been pursuing this, um, that we need to hire a consulting firm to come in and tell us what we need to do because none of us know how to dredge canals. Um, there's been figures out there of 25, 35, 50 million dollars, but we don't know. And we may end up going with putting in a permanent dredge that we operate ourselves. That may be the cheapest way to do this. There's also grant money out there from the feds, from the state. But until we get the experts in, we don't know what's going on. So I'm a big proponent of this because um, it's our biggest amenity and we have to take care of it. Okay, so uh, moving from that, some of the county uh, uh, races are shaping up to be interesting. Um, they are. District 4 mm -hmm. uh, for the county commission has now, I think, four uh, candidates there. Is there four candidates? Four, yeah. There's Joe Mullins, mm -hmm. uh, 
of course, who's the incumbent. Uh, there is uh, Jane Gentile Youth. Yes. Uh, there is uh, Bonnie L. Pennington. Is that a real name? She has a lot of different names from what I can see on I, Facebook. I think there's some face, but, and then there is, of course, Victor Barbosa, former city council member whose seat Alan Lowe is running for. Yes. So that's in, any comments on that, Ray? Well, you know, I think, um, I think without a question of a doubt, Joe does not have anything to worry about. I don't think he has much competition. Um, and, you know, and I'll extend this offer to Victor if you're listening. Uh, as you know, Joe has offered to uh, give you two round-trip first-class tickets to Costa Rica with a guest, a luxury hotel, if you'll just go there and prove to us, prove to all of the voters that uh, you don't have any criminal charges in Costa Rica. Um, I am uh, sweetening the pot. I will provide you with a stretch limo from the airport to that hotel and back again, assuming that local law enforcement doesn't give you a ride before that limo arrives. So if you want a free vacation, Victor, you should take me up on this offer. Take Joe up on it. Okay. Now the school board races, which kind of segue to our, our very special guests that we've mm -hmm. been look, look, looking forward to having, uh, are shaping up as well. And of course, we know that school boards nationally uh, have become an issue, uh, particularly with parents and their rights with respect to those school boards. And we've had some issues here in the county which have even attracted some national attention. Yeah. Um, and so those races are shaping up and we have some, uh, in one race, the incumbent hasn't declared yet. That would be, I think, in Trevor's case. Uh, and uh, but but right now I think there's three people in in that race or at least two I don't remember. Uh, one of them being we've we've met at our club and in other places, mm -hmm. uh, Vincent. And there's another race coming up, and so that's probably a good segue. It probably is because we have an excellent chance of taking back our school board this year, of making sure that that we have a majority of conservative votes. On Amen. that school board. And we have a great opportunity. And part of that opportunity is one of our guests here, uh, Jill Wilbright, um, who is on the school board and no doubt going to get reelected. Welcome, Jill. <laughs> Thank you. So, Thank you. burn any good books lately? No, I haven't. Um... And I say that in jest because you led the charge to get some of this garbage out of our school system. And I know you're going to continue to fight to do that yes. because some of this stuff is nothing but pure smut. It's pure trash, it's pure liberal garbage, and, and we have to protect our, our students. You and I, um, the other night, were at a great ceremony where 26 of our students here from yes. the area um, got accepted to the uh, United States Military Academies, the Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. West Point, um, my favorite, the Naval Academy, um, but all of them are great. And to watch those students up on stage with our Congressman Michael Waltz, yeah, I just felt you just felt a sense of pride. These are some great kids we're turning out. We are, and it is encouraging to see the quality of, of student that's coming out of Flagler County Schools and being accepted into the academies. We had, um, I believe, seven um, nominees here between our two high schools, um, and some have accepted already. So it, it, that was an honor and a plur. Ah, uh, well, Jill and I are, are in the Kiwanis, the Flagler Pompton, 
plug for the Flagwood Pump Coast Kiwanis uh, together, and, uh, and and we see because we give out the Seniors of the Month uh, awards that we have, uh, we see a lot of the excellent, very bright men and yeah. women that are coming through and, and going to go out and and forge careers. So yeah, I, I was impressed by the amount of students that had multiple offers mm -hmm. from different military academies and they actually had to pick, do I go to Annapolis, do I go to West Point? What an opportunity, what a choice. Um, you know. and, and it's refreshing to know that there are um, students that still are growing up with the love of God and country yeah, and, and service to our country. That's why so. the school board is so important. Yes. Critical. It's important that you get reelected. It's important that we get two other conservatives in there. Yes. Um, and then you have three of the five votes, and that's all you need that's you know, it. to keep this under control. So what's new with school board? Oh, there's a lot new with school board. We have... Um, uh, we're redistricting. We just voted on the new zones for the middle schools and high schools. Um, we were going to task the county with redistricting uh, elementary schools too, but we took a step back and said, just a little bit at a time, because it's been a long time since we have redistricted, and it's um, it's very upsetting and, and it, it's disturbing to families when we do redistricting. So um, we came up with a plan to um, just uh, even out the two middle schools because Buddy Taylor's always had more students than Indian Trails, and then even out FPC and Matanzas a little bit because FPC's always had a lot more students than Matanzas. So we're redistricting to even that out. We're going to be um, in, in next year or two um, adding an addition to Matanzas High School in order to be able to put more house more students there. Um, we are moving fifth and sixth grade to the middle school, so that's it. We're having to prepare for that. Um, since we're moving sixth grade back to the middle school, that means that the fifth graders are the incoming sixth graders and the sixth graders now that are at the elementary school will be the seventh graders. So we have um, our work set out for us because the two middle schools have to be prepared to receive two out of the three grades new to the school. So they'll, they'll manage um, and, and we'll, there'll be a shift in personnel. We have um, impact fees that we haven't settled yet with the with the um, county and that's coming up soon where we're, we have to, they'll be voting on and we'll be making, uh, no, deciding whether to make adjustments with our proposals for impact fees because the students are coming. They are coming and the growth is happening. Um, we're building all over the county and we have to reserve seats for students um, at the school near them. So, and we don't want to reserve seats for a student that's building on one side of town and only have a seat on the opposite side of town. Mm. Obviously, we want them to be to their closest school and reserve those seats. So there's a lot going on. We have the Hackpenny sales tax referendum that we are voting, we need to get through and have that the public will be voting on. Um, I don't know what we would have done over COVID without that Hackpenny sales tax all these years. So we've had it for, uh, the 10 years is up, so we'll be voting for it for another 10 years. Um, we were ahead of the game that from most school districts in the state because we had one-to-one -one, um, technology already in the um, in our county. Um, we just had to roll out a few to the younger kindergarten first graders. Um, they had them in the classroom, so we gave them to them to do remotely when we were doing remote live learning. 
Um, so we have that big initiative. Um, so there's a lot going on, um, and we're just moving forward. The, the superintendent has done a, and her first year and a half has done a, a great job. She came right in and did a reorganization um, of her and, and put people in places. We had a, we've had a, lo a lot of people um, change in this principalship. So we have a lot of new leadership, but, but things are working systems. She's a great system um, leader, lead, uh, good at putting in systems. And so we have the bones are set up for us to be able to move forward with some tough decisions um, with the school system. I see the legislature is taking up some of the issues that we've seen yes. um, that disturb uh, parents and others, rightly, uh, issues like uh, critical race theory, and I see also now they've uh, decided to get into the library issues and wh what parents should know about reading materials in both the elementary and, and uh, high school level. Well, you, you led the charge on, on a book that was, as Ed described earlier, pornographic, and uh, really uh, it takes a lot of courage, I think, as an elected official mm. to um, take a stand that, that, that is, you know, or is going to offend a certain segment of the population, no matter what you do. Um, and put in terms of, uh, you know, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, which ironically, many of our progressives don't really want. And now the new trend is to ban everybody from misinformation on anything just by having a dialogue. So, but uh, your thoughts on that? Well, um, it was a year ago um, when I was first on the school board where issues about um, transparency and about families knowing exactly what was going on in our schools. And I, and I taught for 28 years here and retired and ran for school board, and I've had an uh, eye-opening experience wow. myself having been in the elementary school as to what really is going on with our middle school and high schoolers and the youth of today. And of course, things have gotten worse since COVID. So um, it was a year ago where I started uncovering some things that I, as a school board member, did not believe was uh, proper. And one was a, a guidance form. It started a year ago with a guidance form where um, children were being um, making the decision to change their identity at school and the form gave them permission to say who they wanted to wow. know about that identity wow. and so they were able to decide to not tell their parent and then the school was keeping that kind of a secret plan from the parent and they used the the reasoning that there are abusive parents out there, but I, I'm here to tell you there are plenty of parents that aren't abusive out there, and we don't make, I don't believe we need to make the general rule because of the few. We need to make the general rule for the majority. And so um, I um, kept asking questions and exposed that um, during a school board workshop so that families knew that there was a form that they might be uh, that their children could be changing their pronouns and their names at school and not, they'll um, not be aware of it. Unbelievable. We're going to hold that thought. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, we have to hear from the people that helped finance this podcast. Are you twisted enough for Twisted Minds escape rooms? Then check us out at twistedminds.com and book an adventure today. You can choose between Camp Calico or the mysteries of Vanished. 
How about travel back in time to 1840s California and visit Digger's General Store? Get ready, coming late spring, early summer 2021, a little bit of mayhem at Twisted Minds Escape Rooms in Palm Coast. Check us out at twistedminds.com or give us a call at 888-92-TWIST. We'll be waiting. Tired of sitting at home restless? Need to exercise? Playing golf is one of the best ways to stay fit, and golf courses are one of the safest places to be. The gorgeous 18-hole Gary Player-designed Cypress Knoll Golf Course is open to the public. Enjoy your game in the heart of Palm Coast, surrounded by nine glimmering lakes and plenty of wildlife. Your safe and healthy choice is Cypress Knoll Golf, voted the most beautiful course in Flagler County. Call to book your tee time, 437-5807. That's 437-5807. Okay, we are back with our guest, Jill Wolbright. So, come in this morning, I sit down, and Mike starts meowing. And he insists that I meow back. Now, what's that all about? There is, um, our, our youth are always um, trying to discover themselves. And so there is a new, well, it's not really new. It's been around with adults, but it's now children. It's called furries. And furries. It's, it's a problem. And, and these things are nationwide. It's not Flagler School. This is all over the nation. Um, and they are identifying as, you can identify as an animal or a made-up character. And um, and then you act like the animal and the and character. And you dress prefer dress like that animal or character. And you prefer people to treat you as such. Well, so you of course, as a former law enforcement officer, I'm not totally unfamiliar with deviant ideas of which furries were among adults as sort of a deviant idea. That's been around a long time. But uh, I, I, I was taken aback when I read the New York Post yesterday, uh, in which a couple of school districts were cited as uh, by parents attending school board meetings as having these problems. Uh, and of course, the school districts in one case, in uh, I think it was Michigan, was accused of providing uh, litter uh, yes. uh, baskets in the, in the bathroom. Although Wait, you mean kitty litter? Kitty litter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and in another case uh, in Texas, one of the parents said that the tables were lowered so that you know when when the fairy creatures were dining, they would have. Uh, but. Like all things, both of, I think the school districts denied those things were done. But what struck me was that I didn't hear any of them deny that there was a problem with with students who obviously were identifying as, a, I guess you'd have to say, transspecies or interspecies. We're, we are very blessed in that we live in the state of Florida. And when I made the discovery about those plans and transgender plans, Um, being kept secret from parents, I was very upset because the first teacher is the parent. And we, our children and our families sign um, in our Title I schools compact that set compacts with the parent, the student, and the teacher to work together. So we shouldn't be excluding our parents in these decisions. And so I was very grateful a year ago that our legislation was pushing through the Parent Bill of Rights and was behind that, followed that, and very excited that we passed that. And since then, as a board member, has all, I have used that often to um, push for uh, both sides of the issue where people where we have rights. So that's what, what 
how it came about with the book as I found out about that book. And listen, if that book was, I found that book by accident, there are others. And so we need to know, our parents need to know, and I wanted to make sure that our parents knew that it was transparent, that we don't hide things, that we let people know what is in our schools and what our children have access to. And luckily we are in a state where now, not because that's an issue statewide, that the legislature is now looking at media center books and, and the, the whole thing, the whole deal that was the problem with the media center, the book in our media center and our middle school media center of all things. Um, now the state is looking at it and our legislatures are well, trying to put in rules and laws for how uh, policies so that we can uh, make sure that we vet those kind of books and have a better process. Probably in large measure due to your actions, which, which got a lot of attention, I'm sure. Well, it did nationwide. But well, you called the sheriff. I mean, I did. that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. I did. I had to bring attention to it. I had to make sure that everyone knew. I, I didn't want anyone in this county not knowing what um, is out there um, influencing our children. You took a lot of heat in the liberal left-wing media, meaning Flagler Fake News Live. Um, you know, do you even read that anymore? I've kind of, I, I don't even want to see my name in it anymore. I don't even read what this guy Sometimes, writes. Sometimes, um, not often though, no. I'll, I, I won't read the article, I might glance to see if I made, you know, he always picks the worst picture. Why is oh, that? He does. Look, I know, I know. Unless, unless he's promoting it, then he picks a, a nice picture. Yeah, right? he yeah. does, yeah. he does. So, you know, I, no, I don't worry about that. I, I, I'm concerned about the parents in Flagler County and that we know, you know, like I said, I'm learning things that are in our school systems that I didn't know was there as an educator in this county. So the more I um, uncover, I just want to make sure that our families have choices and they know what their choices are and that they are well aware of what they're deciding on when they make a choice. So you're, you're launching your campaign for re-election. I am. Um, congratulations. Thank um, you. We need you, obviously. Absolutely. Our, our Trump Club, no doubt we are going to support you 100%. Do you have signs yet? Can people get yard signs? I have a few. Okay. I do have some. I'm probably going to use the same signs as I had before. So I did collect some of them, not all of them. So I do have some signs. So if somebody wants a yard sign, how do they get in touch with you? 386-503-8515. Um, My number's always been out there. Or you can um, find me on Facebook. Great. What's that number again? 386-503-8515. Do you have any, uh, I know it's early in the campaign, but do you have any events scheduled or planned yet? Um, I don't. I'm going to the legislature next week um, for Florida School Board um, legislative days, but I don't have any campaign events yet. Not yet. yet. Yes. Well, keep us uh, up to date on those because we will certainly promote those Thank you. Um, on our website and at our Trump Club. Thank you. Uh, critical race theory, uh, the governor, of course, is active in trying to keep that out of the schools. Have you seen elements of that within our school district? It is. There, and, you know, everybody's definition of these things is different. Am, what is critical race theory to one person isn't to another. Um, so there's a whole spectrum of things. But I will tell you that the um, and some of it is more um, it's not as in your face it's kind of 
uh, indoctrination in that it's gentle and it's and if it's a pattern throughout. So I um, know that it's in some of our texts. Parents have been complaining. Parents have come forward. And what the public doesn't realize is the publishers write the textbooks and it takes about two years to write the textbooks. And everyone was concerned about critical race theory coming out in the social studies and the civics books. Well, where it came out, come, it's come through is in the um, English language arts text. And because when you get in the, like fourth, fifth grade and on up, part of the English language arts class isn't just narratives or, or fiction, it's also reading for information. And so that's where it's shown up in the reading for information. So textbooks usually take a couple of years to write and then the state adopts publishers and then the counties adopt from that list. So when the governor came out uh, banning critical race theory being taught in uh, Florida schools, the books had already been selected and written. So there are people concerned, some people you know, say it's not critical race theory, other people's opinions is that it is critical race theory, but I do know that I have read excerpts in some of the um, English language arts books where it was a one-sided political slanted view and it was definitely slanted towards progressive well. uh, thoughts. So, um, so then what does a school system do? We have thousands and thousands of dollars invested in these, this curriculum, right? So um, parents can um, come forward. There's a system, um, Lashaka Moore, the uh, government service building, the director of curriculum. She's very approachable. Um, parents can go there. Um, I know that some parents have um, had their children opted out of different text um, and uh, because they did not find it appropriate. So there are ways to address it and it's um, they're in the process of putting together even uh, a set procedures and policies for parents to challenge books and for parents to challenge curriculum and then um, there's also going to be a way for parents to have some controls on what kind of books that their students read, access in the media center. But I'm excited though because the legislature is going to be addressing all that. So yeah. it might well, get even stricter than what our counties come up with. And the problem with that is that as a parent, you have to know exactly what's there, what the information is that that might uh, you might not want to see your your child uh, being uh, imbued with. So, uh, and if you don't know that, if it's not available or you have no idea what, I mean, the text I assume are also, so, yeah, I, I know they say locally there, there's a curriculum, but the state often guides mm -hmm. that curriculum yes. and the textbooks that are available. Yes. And through the state, the federal government with some funding is involved. So. Yes. So uh, you really have to be aware as a parent, and unfortunately, I'm going to guess there's a lot of parents that, that are not aware of these things. And I think we kind of, uh, as a country, got complacent with our school system in that we just assumed that the schools were teaching the things that we believe in as parents. And, you know, this country's become even more and more divided with um, political ideology and it, the spectrum of things has gotten larger. So I'm just saying as a parent that you need to be proactive in your child's um, education. You need to make sure that you are paying attention to what they're learning, what they're studying, what they're being asked to write about. Um, 
And if you have concerns, voice them. And you can start with calling me if you want, but you can also go to, directly to the curriculum department um, at the government service. You can start with the principal in the schools. Um, we have to be active um, and we have to be involved. We can't just let the government schools teach our kids anymore without paying attention. And that's why we have to have elected officials who, who are going to stay on top of that and take yes. the time uh, yes. to, to make sure that the parents have an opportunity to know. Now, you can't force everybody to know, but if the knowledge isn't there, if it isn't available to a parent who does want to know, that's a real problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was a big um, push um, with equity, whether to have that a part as a part of our strategic plan. Part of the board wanted equity in because, um, and then uh, part didn't. So I came up with what I thought was a compromise in that we, uh, by state law, have to include equity in our strategic plan and in our reports to the government, to the state. We have to, we have to qualify certain um, percentages of certain people. Um, groups that have underperformed. We have to watch those numbers. We have to track those numbers. And so instead of just the word equity that then can be interpreted to be all kinds of things like furries even. Um, do, do I have to meow back to him no, or not? No, no, no? no, no Okay, no. good. So we, we, what we did was put in the, what the state statute was, education, uh -huh. equity, and then we go by the state statute, which defines what yeah. equity is. Well, of so. course, a lot of these terms, equity, uh, critical theory, uh, most people don't know where these terms come from or what they actually mean. So equity can be interpreted in ways that would be, you know, uh, some people should get more and some people should get less. less. Uh, critical theory, which has been around a long time, it came out of the... Uh, uh, a school of, of Marxists that came here from Germany and race was inserted into it, but the idea of critical theory was that the labor revolution that was supposed to take place according to Marxism mm -hmm. never took place. So when it was rethought on how we're going to bring about the revolution, they decided the right way to do it would be to not concentrate on labor, but to concentrate on various oppressed groups, of mm -hmm. which the oppressed groups multiply uh, by many, many factors, and, uh, and and so that's where critical theory came from, you know, and and then of course it, it evolved into critical race theory. It evolved into the New York Times 1620 project, which redefined when when the United States became the United States. Uh, and made slavery the central issue and racism the central issue of every problem in the United States. Well, Jill, I want to thank you for being our guest, and thank we'll you. certainly have you back on as this campaign continues. Um, everyone, uh, I just want to remind you to visit our website, flagler4trump.com. That's flagler, the number four, trump.com, where you can see all of our podcasts and you can keep up with everything else that we're doing. Our meetings are every third Monday of the month at the VFW here in Palm Coast. We start promptly at 6.30, so get there a few minutes early to find yourself a seat, and we'll see you at our meetings, and we'll see you on our next podcast. The Future of Flagler is sponsored by the Flagler Trump Club, 
Our meetings are every third Monday, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the Palm Coast VFW. Visit our website, flaglerfortrump.com. That's flagler, the number four, trump.com to learn more. Let's make America great again.